0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. Now here is Pastor Scott Floyer. Well, good morning. I am Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at Northgate. Ken is off relaxing and enjoying his time away because that's what he needs to do. And uh, we're continuing in our series, That Was Then, This Is Now. Um, it's. It's. I don't know about you. I'm pumped about this morning, not just because it's Memorial Day weekend and we all get a Three-day weekend, praise Jesus. Okay, so um, not, not because of that, but because we've really seen some amazing things happen over the last couple of weeks, where we've talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, to be honest with you, one of the things that we did in the student ministry room is we, we took duct tape, because <laughs> you know, it's biblical, duct tape, you know, it's got a dark side and a light side, it keeps everything, no, that's Star Wars, right? Okay, so we took duct tape, and we ran a line all the way down the middle of our room, because we wanted people to realize that there are times in our life that we say, that was then, and then this is now. And so we did that. So that I literally, it's almost like when I'm teaching over there, I'm doing like Jesus aerobics. Because I'm like, that was then, and this is now. And the kids are going, something's wrong with him. you know. And uh, <laughs> and I sent out an email this week to kind of get some people's minds thinking. And if you didn't get the email, I'm sorry. That means you're not in church database. And you need to because you're sinning. But... Um, <laughs> Not just kidding. I'm just kidding. So you're like, he's evil. Um, I sent out an email, and I told a story about when I was in seventh grade. See, in seventh grade, I had to go from the large gym to the small gym, and in the small gym where I was at, that meant that was the all-girls eighth grade class that was doing some girl thing, you know? And so I was sent over there to deliver a message to the teacher. I walk in, I hand her the message, and as I'm walking out, she did something that was just totally... I mean, today people be like freaking out, but, you know, she goes, Scott, I just want you to know, you have really nice legs, and I'm like, she's old, it's a teacher, she's got to be at least like 35, you know, you know, you know, I was in seventh grade, some of you are like, oh, he said that, well, I'm older than that, shush, so, um, so he said, so she, so she said that to me, and I'm just like, oh, this is so embarrassing, until one of the eighth grade girls goes, yeah, I agree. Come on, seventh grade guy. I was like, what's up? <laughs> you, know, you know how your walk changes? All of a sudden, someone noticed something. You're like, yeah, because it was really awkward when the teacher went, nice legs. But then one of the girls said, nice legs. I was like, yeah. See, that's the way it's going to be this morning. We're going to get a little awkward. It's going it's to get a little uncomfortable. But by the time we're done, you're going to realize something great has happened. That, that God has spoken into your heart. That, that you've been, rev- your heart and your mind has been revealed something that you needed to really think about. And, and I, I want you to realize that this morning, I am pumped. I have, the last couple of weeks, I've been praying about that. I'm excited. You know, if those, those of you, Ken, you know, a couple of weeks have talked about those narcissistic, narcissistic people that Twitter. I Twitter, okay? He doesn't like it. That's okay. It's because he can't see the buttons. But it's one of those things. Did I say that out loud? No, I'm just kidding. But it, but I do that, and I, I put in there, I said, I'm feeling the weight of the word that God has for us. I, I, I was feeling, and someone said, go for it, you can do it, and, and so it was real encouraging. But this morning, I want you to realize, we're going to look at something that Jesus is very specific about, that the Bible is very specific about, but it's going to make us uncomfortable. It's going to make us uncomfortable. See, when Jesus was speaking, he'd always start out in the Sermon on the Mount, he would start over here, and he would say, okay, so you've been told, or so you have heard, and then he would come to the next part, he'd say, but I say. I think some of us skim over that. As we read that, we may skim over that, say, oh, he's, he's going with something new. Actually, what he was doing is he was declaring, you know, when it was originally written by God, my father, this is what he said. But me being the son of God, I can say also something to, to clarify it, not to change it. Not to destroy it, but to clarify it even more. See, when he said that, so, you've been, so have you've been told or so you heard, he was referring to the Old Testament law, but when he stepped up and said, "But I say," he was making a declaration right then and there, "I am the Son of God, and I'm going to clarify even more." So it was really heavy. That was a major statement. So let's look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5. I want you to, inside your program, there's an insert. I want you to be able to follow along. There are verses in there you can follow along with. If not, you can look in the Bibles there on the, on the chairs next to you, page 959 and 960. And it says this, you have heard that the law of Moses says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a letter of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. It goes on and it says, and again you have heard that the law of Moses says, don't break your vows, you must carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say, don't make any vows. If you say by heaven, it is a sacred vow, but because heaven is God's throne. And if you say by the earth, it is a sacred vow, because the earth is God's footstool. And don't swear by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even swear by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black. There's a lot of women in here that would like to be able to do that, right? That's a, I'm not being specific, but my conversation in my house. Anyway, um... <laughs> And it says, just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Your word is enough to strengthen your promise with a vow shows that something's wrong. Okay, now I know already people are getting uncomfortable because of one word that was mentioned in the very first verses. Divorce. I know it's going to get uncomfortable. And you know what? I want you to realize I'm totally cool with that. You know, because I think our language will, ex, you know, the English language is awesome because words can do things. Uh, and, and I want you to realize we're going to be looking at something a little bit different because I know as soon as you say divorce, you're like, oh, here comes the church. They're going to be cruel. They're going to be mean. Well, let's think about it. Let's think about our language. Let's think about the English language, all right? Um, I want you to think, if I were to say the word fat, what kind of idea comes to your mind? Obviously, some of you are like, sure, I've got a couple of pounds. But I'm not fat, right? Well, you know, in today's language, if you were talking, you know, at least back in the 90s, if you said that person was fat, it was pretty hot and tempting, okay? P H A T, get it? You'll, you'll figure it out later. But it's one of those things where you said that. How about the word peak? That's what little kids do at Christmas, right? They don't want to peek at the Christmas present, right? Well, it also means the top of a mountain. Let's think a little bit more. How about, how about a present? See, I know in my house, my wife would say amen. Because she likes presence, But also the present means to be in someone's present, to be there. Okay? Let's, let's think about another one. How about flu? Everybody went, swine flu. Oh, swine flu. Right? Uh, well, that also means you flew in a plane. See, the English language can elicit so many feelings. It can create such an idea in our minds about what we're about to deal with. And you know what? I think there are two words that have different meanings now today than they used to. The word yes and the word no. The word yes and the word no. They used to mean something different than they do today. See, what we need to realize is there is weight to our word, not just to our words. Okay, and I'm going to flesh that out some more. On your insert, there's a washer. I want you to tear the washer off of your insert, I want you to place it in a hand, and I want you to hold it in one of your hands the whole time we're doing this, because you're going to realize this little bitty washer is going to become a really big pain in your butt, okay, because you're going to have to, I want to write a note, but I'm holding the baby, or I'm, you know, I got to pick my notes, you know, whatever, you know. Come on, I work with students. They're used to. It. But it, it's one of those things where you've got to have to keep it in one hand or the other. Now I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to look at them and say, there is weight in my word. Say it right now. Okay, now wait a minute. Let's try it again. And say it like you mean it. There's <laughs> weight in my word. <laughs> and there's a washer in my hand. Okay. Turn to him and say, there is weight in my word. Okay. This is the thing you need to realize. Your word carries a lot. Your word carries a lot. Now I'm going to do something different. I'm going to take the verses we just read and I'm going to work them backwards because I want you to realize the point that Jesus is making. He says, again, you have heard that the law of Moses says, don't break your vows. You must carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say don't make any vows. If you say by heaven, it is a sacred vow because, God, because heaven is God's throne. And if you say by earth, it is a sacred vow because the earth is his footstool. And don't swear by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Don't even swear by my head, for you can not turn one hair white or black. Just say simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Your word is enough. To strengthen it with your promise, a vow shows that something is wrong. See, what this is saying is you express your word, your honor, your character by your mouth. You, you, you send those things out. When you say yes, you're supposed to mean yes. When you, when you say no, it's supposed to mean no. That means when you say something, there is weight to the honor and character of your word. That's your first fill in the blank. This is what the word expresses from your mouth. See, when you say something, it's supposed to mean something. Today, that is not quite true, is it? We always hear yes, but... No, I, 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 not really. Usually when you hear someone get in trouble, they, they might even say no because they're actually caught and they begin to lie. I mean, our, our language has been come to a place where we really don't own up to what we say or what we do. I mean, my kids know in my house, I, I try to be one of those people that says yes or no. If I say I'll think about it, they always go, oh. If I say I think about it, then they go, well, that means no, right? Because then I, w- I really want to say, I want to ask your mother so that we can work together on this. And if we work together on this, then you're not playing mom and dad against each other. Because our word means something. See, is that true for you? If you were to walk up to say to someone and you were to say yes to something, do they really believe you're going to follow through? If you say no, do you really say no and mean no? See, I work in a church. I've had to learn really, really well how to say no. Because people, unfortunately in a church, think that as a pastor or a leader in a church, you always have to say yes. Well, this is a good idea, but no. So you need to come and be at my house. You need to come take it. Well, you know what? I need to be at my house. I had to learn real early in ministry that I had to be really tough at saying no. And it's hard because I care about people. I love my job. I want to be there for people. But you know what? I love my wife and my kids just as much. In fact, if you read through the Bible, Jesus said that I am supposed to take care and love my wife. He'll build his church. So I went, okay, I got to take that. So people would show up. And I said, no. In fact, thir- at one point in time, Thursday nights was our family night. And people would show up at our house. And I would stand in the door. And they'd be like, can I come in? No. No. Well, I need to. (laughs) Um, Is anybody bleeding out of their eyes? Their head exploded, whatever. And they're like, no. I said, I'll talk to you in the morning. See, I, I wanted my kids to understand when I said no to those things that I was honoring them. That when I told my kids, no, you can't do that event because I'm going on a date with your mother. That there was priority and weight to our words. Because in Ecclesiastes 5, 5, and 6, it says this. It is better to say nothing than to promise something that you don't follow through on. In such cases, your mouth is making you sin. Don't follow through on. How many times have you told your son or your daughter yes, and you don't do it? Your yes now becomes a maybe. And eventually it becomes a no. Because they don't trust your word. Your your word doesn't mean anything. See, back in Jesus' day, they'd say, oh, I swear by God. That I'll do it. Jesus said, don't do that. They go, oh, I swear by by the heavens on the earth. I swear by this. I swear by the hair on my head. Jesus said, don't do it. If you have to swear by your yes or your no, then you're not really meaning what you're saying. James 3.10 says, and so blessing and cursing comes pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. See, what, what we need to realize is sometimes we say yes, and we don't mean yes, and we say no, and we don't mean no. And so we're, saying, we're talking about two sides of our mouth. Je- Jesus says, you know what, I don't want that. I don't need that. He says, we don't need a double standard for our life. And where has most people, let's be honest, have seen a double standard? Christians. See, I, I really believe that God has called us to be Different that God has called us to look different, to act different, that our word is supposed to carry a different kind of weight. Now, does that mean we're perfect? Oh, heck no. That means we're trying a lot harder. See, those people that say, oh, being a Christian, you're a weak-minded person, I said, walk in my shoes for five minutes and then tell me that. Because being a follower of Christ is not easy. Oh, I accepted Jesus and everything was wonderful and I won the lotto. (laughs) I have yet to meet that person. And if they are, they're usually <laughs> under medication. But anyway, <laughs> just kidding. You know, it's one of those things where we need to realize that our mouth carries weight. Our word carries weight. Not just our words, but our honor, our character. There is weight to those. Matthew 12, 34 says, You brood of snakes, how can evil men like you speak what is good and right, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. You ever thought about that? Your word... Your honor, your character is a reflection of your heart. It reflects your heart. What is truly in your life. And you know what? That brings us to the next section of verses. This is the one that I know many people are going to sit back and go, Oh, here we go. What are we talking about now? It says this. You have heard that the law of Moses says a man can divorce his wife merely by giving a letter of divorce. But I say that a man divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, commis- causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. See, I want you to realize, we're going to get past the adultery thing and, and all that. I want you to think about the word divorce. I want you to think about, because ladies, I want you to realize, if you were divorced back in that day, you got nothing. You were, you were like a piece of property. That's all it was. That's why the official letter was there. So that you could go and make sure that you found another husband or you could, you could go and work in some kind of an area. It had nothing to do with who gets the kids, who gets the, it had nothing to do with that. So men were very capable of walking in and go, duh, don't like you, we're done. Think about it, this was arranged marriages. Okay, this was not because we love each other and we care for, it was because mom and dad gave a dowry to a family that I was going to marry. So this was more of a business transaction than a heart transaction. All right? You got to think this through. The difference, now there's, there is a difference because some of, we choose who we marry. Arranged marriages, you don't. I was part of an arranged marriage when I was in India. They had met twice. Second time was their wedding day. Do you know why women wear veils in weddings? Arranged marriages. I did research on it. Do you know why the bride is not supposed to see the groom before the wedding? Arranged marriages. Cuz the guy is getting, you know, married, the girl's getting married, she wears the veil cuz what if she's ugly? By the time they have said her vows, they lift up the veil. Hello, you know? That's why the groom couldn't see the bride before the marriage because if he saw her and she wasn't what he was expecting, he would run. Because I hear all these people, oh, it's bad luck that I don't want to see my bride or my groom before the wedding. I'm like, do you love him? Do you know what he looks like? You're good. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. You're good. See, divorce was a whole different situation. But this is the thing. God says the same thing about divorce then as he does today. And they had the same problem then as we do today. And I know some of you are going to really think that we're going to be touchy about this word divorce. Because you know what? It really is a big decision about your word, your character, and your honor. Because there are still people today that go, oh, I'm done. It's that I'm not happy. I want you to realize God never really cares about your happiness, He's more worried about your character. Because I'll be honest, there are days that I am not happy. As a father, as a husband, as a pastor. I'm sure God gets real worried at night. and says, oh, Scott wasn't happy today. <laughs> Are you serious? Right? No, what he's thinking is, what am I doing in Scott's life and his heart to make him more like my son? That's character. That's honor. There, if you're married... If you were married, if you're going to get married, at some point in time in a service, you are going to say, until death do us part. That is a word. You are giving your word not just to your bride or your mate or your groom, but you're giving it to God. Now some of you say, well, I, I didn't know Jesus before I got married. That doesn't change things. You still said Yes. You said, I do. Now, I want you to realize that this is really going to make people uncomfortable. I really don't care. Because this is what Jesus is saying. This is what the Bible says. Look at what it says in Matthew 19, verses 4 through 9. It says, haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They recorded that from the beginning of time, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one separate them. For God has joined them together. They asked the question. Now, you got to realize, in the context of this scripture, uh, they, they had just busted John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist gets his head chopped off because he's hacking on the king of the time right there, saying, you, you divorced your wife, you married your brother's wife, and now you're thinking about sleeping with your daughter. Hmm. Right? So John the Baptist just got his head cut off. So the Pharisees go, okay then why did Moses say a man could merely write an official letter of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses uh, permitted divorce as a concession to your hard-hearted wickedness. But it's not what God had originally intended. If you've got your answer out, I want you to circle originally intended. See, God did not originally intend for that. And he says this, and I tell you this, a man who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. See, Jesus said, Moses said it's okay because we are stupid. We're hard-hearted people. We struggle with the same things. In fact, if you read the Matthew 5, 31 and 32 in the message version, I thought this was more clear for us. It says, remember the scripture that says, whoever divorces his wife, let him do it legally, giving her divorce paper and her legal rights. See, that's that. Business transaction. And then it says, too many of you are using that as a cover for selfishness and whim, pretending to be righteous just because you're legal. Please, no more pretending. If you divorce your wife, you're responsible for making her adulterous, unless she has already made herself that by sexual promiscuity. And if you marry such a divorced adulteress, you automatically adulterer yourself. You can't use legal cover to mask a moral failure. Now, I know some of you are sitting there going, but, but you don't know the situation. You don't know what he did. You don't, know, you don't know. I don't. You're right. But you don't have to stand before me at the end of your life. You do God. You do Jesus. And I know some of you are getting really uncomfortable right now. And I want you to realize that's a good place to be. Because that means you're hearing things that you need to process through. Look at what it says in Malachi 2, 14 and 16 through 16. It says, you cry out, why has the Lord abandoned us? I tell you why, because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made to each other on your wedding day, when you were young, but you've been disloyal to her, though she remained your faithful companion, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you're his. And what does he want? He wants godly children from your union. So guard yourself, remain loyal to the wife of your w- youth. Look what it says very clearly. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. It is, cr- it is as cruel as putting on a victim's bloodstained coat, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself, always remain loyal to your wife. What is part of loyalty to husband and wife? That is your word, that is your honor, that is your character. There is weight in your word. Because if you don't follow through with your word, think about it, the damn, I mean, I, am, I don't want you to think that I'm being insensitive to this. Divorce has been a part of my life just as much it has been of yours. See, my generation saw the divorce rate triple, triple. Now as a father myself, I have my daughter writing me a letter or a card on my anniversary thanking me for being married to my wife because all of her friends' parents are divorced. So I'm not unsensitive. My, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are divorced. My mother and my father are separated. You know, last Saturday, I celebrated 17 years of marriage with my wife. And I want, you, I want you to realize the weight of that word carries still so much in my heart today. Because I didn't make that promise just to her. I made that promise to God. I didn't make that promise just to God and my wife. I made it to my kids. I made it to my friends. You know what's funny is most of the people that were at my, my wedding, uh, my, well, my wife was there too, our wedding. That was bad. Um, I heard comments, I heard this comment. I, I bet you it lasts three years. Now, does that carry some, you know, anger? in my heart about what they you bet am i trying to prove them wrong you bet that's not a whole reason but it's a good incentive i gotta tell you that right now because this is the thing i love my wife Uh, nowhere would i want to look at her face and say no more I look at 20, 25, 30, 35. I could not imagine being without her. And that's not because I'm in love and it's emotional. It's because I gave her my word. I'm not going back. I gave God my word. We were at a restaurant celebrating our anniversary, and the the lady asked, so why are you out? Because we had told her we had kids, and she looked around, there were no kids, and she's going, praise God, what happened? You know? (laughs) And, uh, and we said, we're celebrating our anniversary. And she automatically goes into a story. Well, yeah, I was married 26 years, and he decided he wanted a newer model. I have to be honest with you. In my heart, I was ticked because I watched her face. She was like, I was a stay-at-home mom for 25 years. And, you know, and, and then after all the kids were gone, you know what happened there? They didn't date each other. They had more commitment to their job and kids than they did their marriage. You know, I made a promise to my son that I was going to date his mother. I made a promise to my daughters that I was going to date their mother. I wear a ring on this hand because I told them, I made a promise to them, that my ministry would not come in front of my marriage. Some of you need to think about the word that you're carrying because I think your job carries more weight than your wife or your husband. There's got to come a time and place where we say, you know what? No more. Now this is the real important thing. This is what I want you to walk with. This is huge. When there's weight to your word, I want you to realize that God hates divorce, not divorced people. Not divorced people. There's a big difference there. Because divorce, the action of divorce, there is damage. There isn't there? I guarantee you, there's, there's no person that went through a divorce and went, "Whoo! I want to do that again." <laughs> right? <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, you've got to try this, right? I guarantee you that's never happened. You know, I was watching a chick flick yesterday. Is it yesterday or Friday? Friday. Bride Wars. (laughs) Praise God, the nuggets were on the next day. There was some redemption. But, But this is the thing. I'm watching it. And at the end of the movie, this is what I caught. And I, I turned and looked at my wife because of the whole weight of what we've been talking about. And the girl, the girl who was the first one to get married at the beginning of the movie is now already divorced. And she goes, oh, it's just my first one. She goes, my next wedding is going to be great. Oh my God, are you serious? That is what we've re- reduced our word, our commitment to in a movie where at the beginning of a, an hour and a half flick, someone's already divorced by the end and going, ah, that's just my first one. See, God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. Unfortunately, in the Christian world and in the church, we've put that red letter, that scarlet letter on people that are divorced, and they're, oh, you're divorced, you can't do this. You know, there's nothing in the Bible. God says, your sin is no different than my sin. We all do something wrong. If you haven't done anything wrong, then you're probably asleep. Or you're a really good liar. Oh, did something wrong right? See, the the amazing thing is this, is we always put these levels on sin. God never does. We do. Because you know what that does? It makes us feel better. And again, God's not worried about our happiness. He's worried more about our character, our word, our honor. There is weight in our word. When you say yes, let it be yes. When you say no, let it be No. Because if you're a Christ follower, if you're a person that says, yes, I have put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then your word reflects him. And at the end of your life, you're going to have to stand before him and give an account for your word. So what are the things that we have to deal with? What are the things that we can walk through? Here's some things you can do. First thing is this, trust Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus for your marriage. Trust in Jesus for you being a parent. Trust in Jesus for all the things that have gone on in your life. You need Jesus Christ to me. I guarantee you. I would not be married for as long as I am today be, because I have or I'm saying I did it because there's a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's first and foremost. I search after Him, I become a better husband. My wife searches after him, she becomes a better wife. You can't do that on your own. You, you can't do it on your other friend's advice. I love that. I've, I've heard so many, it just tears me up. I'm going through a divorce. So I went and talked to my divorced friends about what I should do. I've seen those things. I've been, I, I actually helped with divorce care at the last church I was at. And, and you know what? It, people are hurt through the situation so much that they then allow their hurt to be used for someone else. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't take that. I'd stab him in the back of the head. You know what what I'm saying? And and so this is the thing. There's either encouragement or there's discouragement, but there's weight to your word. And so you need to trust in Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to trust in Jesus. He's going to give you the strength, the power, and the ability to honor your word. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to trust in him so that you won't mess it up. Romans 10, 8 through 10 says salvation that comes from trusting Christ, which is the message we preach, is already within easy reach. In fact, the scripture says the message is close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. Many of you sitting here this morning are already thinking about what does it mean to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ because God has stirred something up in your heart. Maybe you're the person that's gone through a divorce and you feel like no one cares. Do you realize Jesus does. He knows you're hurt. He knows you're, that's why he hates divorce. Because there's damage. We care. We want you here. Divorced people should be in church. If you say otherwise, please leave. Because this is a place of healing where God is able to say, you know what, your heart has been broken. You've been. Da- I want to love you. I want you to see that the love that I have for you is greater than any man or woman could ever give you. Colossians 1.14 says, God has purchased our freedom with his blood and forgiven of, uh, forgiven of us of all our sins. You realize that God forgives all your sins, past, present, and future. So you may be sitting there, well, you don't know what happened in my, vo- my divorce. I did this and he did this. You know what? God knows that. He doesn't care. He loves you right where you're at. He doesn't, act you to, he doesn't expect you to stay where you're at, but he loves you right where you're at. Romans four seven says, "Oh, what joy for those whose listen to this! What joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight!" Isn't that a beautiful picture? When you trust in Jesus, the things that you've done wrong are no longer visible. God doesn't see them. Why should you? I really believe a lot of us have been forgiven by Jesus, but we're so good at hanging on to guilt that we don't allow Him to forgive us. Jesus said, when, I tr- when you trust in me, when you put your faith and trust in me, it's all gone. He says it's as far as the east is from the west. If you travel around the globe and you head west, you will never, ever, ever head east. If you head north-south, right, you head up north, you're eventually going to go south, right? So the Bible was pretty cool when it said east to west because you never run into that. Your sins are forgiven. You will never run into them again. Now, you may have to deal with the consequences of them. That's different than having to deal with them because Jesus died on the cross paying the price for our sins. It says that while we were still sinners, he died on the cross. He never said, come in, get everything figured out, then trust in me. If you come in here and hear people say, oh, you've got to get your life right, you've got to change your life, and then you can come to church, then you know what? The person that did, just told you that is a moron. Because this is the place where hurt people need to come to be healed. Why? Because Jesus does that. Read through the New Testament. He dealt with a hurt first. Then he talked about the heart. Second thing we need to do is we need to restore relationships. We need to restore relationships. You may not be able to save your marriage. You may have already been through divorce. But what can you do to restore parts of that relationship? What can you do to bring honor to Jesus Christ through a relationship? Maybe that's damaged the relationship with your children. What can you do to restore that relationship? Maybe it's you asking for forgiveness. Now I know that means you have to admit you were wrong. Maybe you need to forgive the person that's wronged you. Because you've held on to that anger so long, it's now turned into bitterness. And bitterness says that, and the Bible says that when you do that, the bitterness turns into a hardened heart. And a hardened heart can't hear from Jesus. I know some bitter, angry, nasty Christian people. And they act holier than thou. And I really wonder, do they know Jesus? Because the Jesus I know loves everybody where they're at, and he loves their heart no matter where they've been. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Ever thought about that one? Next thing is this, is you need to do what you can to restore your word. Restore your word. Maybe it's doing by what we just talked about, forgiving someone, asking the question, how can I make things better in this relationship? How can we walk through this? If you're getting married... Think about the yes you're about to make. Don't go in taking it lightly. You know, I, I read the, the joke, you know, as the, wife, the bride was walking down the aisle, she saw the groom, she saw the altar, and in her mind she was saying, I'll alter him. <laughs> if that's the reason you're going into marriage, please don't, because you're going to be discouraged. I mean, I cannot fathom the discouragement my wife has had to deal with. (laughs) Because I'm a sinful man. I am not perfect. I never will be. I'm striving for it because why? Because Jesus is. I'm seeking, I'm trying to mature in my relationship with God so that I can be a better husband, a better father. What is your, how can you restore your word? Maybe it means when you go home and you tell your wife that you're going to do the dishes, you actually get up off your butt, put down the remote, and do it. Now, ladies, I don't want to be, amen. Because that may mean you actually have to enjoy your husband's company and actually listen to him when he's talking to you. Oh, got a little personal, didn't it? (laughs) It was like, hey now. See, we're, we're each different, but we've got to restore our word. There is weight to our word. There is weight to what we do. There is weight to being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to ask you this morning. I know some of you here, maybe this is the first time. Maybe you brought, you, you, were, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend. You were with family. You came to church and you have a drug problem. You know, your family drug you from the parking lot into church. <laughs> I know it. You know, you know, some of you are like, yeah, my heels are still on fire, you know. Um, but it's one of those things where you went, oh, man, I, there's something stirring in me. You know what that is? That's Jesus. That's Jesus telling you there's got to be something different. There's got to be a change. It's not about church, by the way. It's about Jesus. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, about putting your faith and trust in Him as your only hope of going to heaven. It's not about what you can do. Not going to church doesn't really... <laughs> I mean, at the end of your life, if you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus and you've gone to church all your life, he'll go, hey, at least you knew where I was living. (laughs) Showed up at the house every once in a while, right? This is the thing. Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. Everyone who trusts in him can have eternal life. And that means that life will be forever. And it doesn't start the day you die. It starts the day you believe. What do you believe this morning? Can you do marriage on your own? Can you do life on your own? I can't. I screw it up. But I know that the Jesus that died on the cross that lives in me and through me can make me a better man, can walk me through this. Can make me a better husband that can give me the weight to my word. Maybe this morning you're one of those people that has been divorced and you felt picked on this morning. I hope you don't because that was not the point. The point was for us to think about what does it mean when we say yes and no? See, and Jesus made a point when it came to relationships because he knows how fickle we can be about our relationships. He knows that what comes from our mouth is a reflection of our heart. He knows the damage that comes with divorce. Those of you that have walked through that, you know the damage that comes. Maybe you're a child of it. Maybe you're going through it right now. Maybe you're thinking about it. Think very carefully about what you do next. See, God is not so into your happiness. He's more worried about your character. Sometimes you've got to go through things hard way to develop that character. Sometimes that means you've got to say, I screwed up. I was wrong. Forgive me. I want everybody to close your eyes, bow your head. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.